Hey guys, this is Rob and welcome to question number 43. Can you get hired for something you've never done before? It's my conversation with Nate Ryan, an award-winning photographer who happens to be the staff photographer at The Current. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. We met up for coffee at Nina's Coffee Shop on Grand Avenue in St. Paul. And Nina's. Nina's. We had a date there once. Oh yeah, didn't we sit on, if you go in there, didn't you can walk up a stairwell and there's like, like a single table a single table that overlooks the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, we did. How'd the date go? You have a better memory than me. Uh, actually, I don't remember. But I remember thinking the place was really cute, so that's good. Win-win. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you live? In the city. Do you have a house? Apartment. On a rent? Rent. What do you do for a living? Lots of things. Where's your office? Don't have one. How come? It's a long story. Do you have kids? No, I don't. How come? What's your record for consecutive questions asked? 38. For those of you joining us for the first time, my name is Rob Morgan, and for the past 10 years, I've been traveling the world as a bassist and music director. This is my podcast where I sit down over drinks on location with intriguing people I've met to try and get past what they do, to find out who they are, why they do it, and what I can learn from them. This week, I'm joined... Sarah. My name's Sarah. (laughs) No, I don't know why I said this week. Uh, I think it's funny because the joke is that it's always... This week, for the first time ever... (laughs) Or I'm your... Special guest every single week. It's funny. It's a funny bit. My special guest this week for the first time uh, since last week. Since last week is my wife, my friend, my lightning bolt. Never said that one. Why'd that come to mind? Because it's stormy. It's storming. It's Monday night. We're sitting in our dining room. Bear me strength, sir. <laughs> Would you like a Guinness? Yes, please. I think you always have to make that sound. I think I do at this it, point. People it's so are, gross, it's but so it's so right. So I have... Ooh, it's windy. Uh, it is raining and storming outside, which is great because hopefully it'll kill some of this crazy humidity that's been... Or we're going to die. Or we're going to die. I've had different people ask me if this pouring a Guinness sound is real, or they just said, you know the sound effect when you and Sarah are pretending to drink Guinness... I got confused. I was like, what are you talking about? Well, you know, you know, you guys just pretend to drink Guinness every episode. And I was like, no, we're actually drinking Guinness and that's the sound. Uh, But then I realized, uh, cheers. That's the sound that someone would make that doesn't drink enough Guinness. What's the, no, I meant the sound. I use another sound for transitions between some of the, if I'm, if I'm making cuts within conversation. No, we're not drinking one every time you make a transition sound. No, I have a sound of a Guinness being poured, which is a real sound I recorded from one of these. But, uh, it's just funny to me that there are people out there thinking that we are just pretending (laughs) to drink Guinness. Like it it matters that much. Does it? I think it's important that we drink Guinness. Well, I know that it, it would matter so much that we would do it and pretend to be drink Guinness. Oh, like it's a bit we've got to hold on so closely to that we'll even pretend. One time, though. Mmm, real Guinness. We did have no Guinness, and we had to open like some LaCroix or something. Oh, dang it. That was pretty shameful. Well, that just (laughs) just (laughs) annihilates my entire point. Oh, I forgot about that. I can't believe they think we're not authentic. Uh, (laughs) 
Uh, anyways, for those of you following along with the podcast, you know that every week we ask Sarah a question. Those questions come from you, the listeners. Uh, and they come from a number of different ways. You can leave a comment on iTunes. Okay, side note. Rating, commenting, and subscribing on iTunes is huge for us. We have not implemented... Oh, sorry, I can't... I was going to say we have not implemented... I'm having a brain fart. Let me take a sip of this Guinness. Mm. Oh, that's right. We have not implemented sponsors on this podcast. I haven't started a Patreon yet. This is totally free, but one of the things that you can do, rating, commenting, and subscribing on iTunes helps us a ton. Five stars only. And in your comments, leave a question for Sarah. Another way you can do that is write into us. I'd love to hear from you. You can write into the website, thecuriouspod.com slash contact. And right there, you can send me a message, send a question for Sarah. You can write me a note. You want to hear a, an email I got today? Yeah. All right. Here's the deal. If you write to me through the website or the podcast hotline or any other personal way you reach out to me and share a personal story, I'm not going to share that with other people and um, break any sort of confidentiality. But I want to share this email I got today uh, because it was so meaningful. So here's the deal. I'm go- I'm going to skip over. I'm not going to say this person's name and I'm going to skip over the first part where they are telling me how we met a few years back uh, while I was playing with an artist. Uh, so I'm going to skip ahead uh, to anything. But here's the deal. I want to share this because it was so encouraging to me and I feel like it's something that could be encouraging to other regular listeners of the podcast. So here's, I'm going to skip uh, ahead in this email. I'm going to start by reading, I went to school and got my music degree with the intent to be a worship leader slash gigging musician and realized the life of a full-time musician isn't for me. I got burnt out with the whole mega church thing and the late night gigs and traveling weren't working for my wife and I. It was a really hard place finding myself in because I had been doing the full-time music thing for a while and I had the hard realization that it wasn't working with my life once I got married. I got a quote, real job, end quote, and now I find myself in the struggle of feeling like part of me is dying every day as I play less and less music. It's taking a toll on my mental health, my marriage, and my daughter slash family time. Listening to your podcast has been a huge staple and positive voice in my life as I navigate through life as a creative and a quote, real job, trying to be musically slash creatively fulfilled and maintain a strong marriage and family life. The episode with a man and nephew has literally changed my marriage. I think I've listened to it three or four times. I had my wife listen to it twice. They function exactly how my wife and I function, and it's been so helpful to hear how others deal with creative fulfillment and family. Your podcast and The Liturgist are the only two I subscribe to, and they literally make my week. Thank you for doing what you're doing and asking the hard questions and talking about what we don't talk about. Thank you for that email. You know who you are. It is so meaningful to hear you reach out and share your story with me. Only, I Seriously, I only share this for the hopes 
that in a world of social media and all of us sharing just the amazing things that we're doing and all of our successes, I share it in the hopes that somebody else that's listening to this podcast that finds themselves in the same scenario you are uh, is encouraged because I think that the greatest source of mental oxygen, initially at least, is knowing that we are not alone in our feelings. Uh, anyways, if you are interested in uh, listening to the podcast episode this person was talking about, you can check it out. It's question number 36. It's called, What is it like being married to a creative when you aren't one? It's my conversation with a dear friend of mine, Amanda Nephew. And we talk about that whole scenario of what does it mean as we define ourselves as being either creative or not creative or being in a job that we think is creative or not creative. I feel weird putting that on this podcast. I feel weird like sharing something that is like a praise for the podcast, but hopefully that's encouraging. Or here's something. I want to say this. I love the thought of this being the most interactive podcast in the history of podcasts. I, so many people have told me that this has become their, they feel like this is their podcast and they feel a part of it. Uh, I would love to take this to the next level. If you're listening to this right now, I think you'd be so fascinated if people took a picture of themselves and where they listen to this podcast and text that picture to the hotline 612-584-9330 or that number is in the show notes of this episode, whatever player you're listening to, you can probably just look at it and click on it. You can text it to that number. Uh, send us a picture of where you are listening to this podcast. I would, I'm just so curious. Uh, I'm just rambling at this point. All right. Anyways, yes. this week's question, <laughs> this week's question comes from the podcast hotline. Laura texted in. She said, hi, my name is Laura. I listen to the podcast every week. And my favorite part are the podcast intros with Sarah. I live in Wisconsin. We'll be visiting Minneapolis next month. My question for Sarah is, what is your favorite store in the Mall of America? Mm. Our cat is yelling in the background. Shadow, you're fine. Do we want to open the door and let him in? Uh, sure. Dude, we're trying to record a podcast it's intro. Okay. What's your favorite store in the mall in the mall of America? Well, it's always changing. That's what's fun about the mall is there's always something different. I recently had a great time in a store called the Amazing Mirror Maze. Oh yeah. <laughs> How did you, did you find like a Groupon for that, or we just randomly decided I to mean, walk in there? I mean, there's a Groupon at all times. Oh man, for it free promotion, the amazing mirror maze. So dumb, so wonderful. Well, I guess I feel like there are so many other cool uh, vintage shops or kind of locally owned shops that the Mall of America is obviously you know super. I don't know, corporate and international and whatnot, but. There is still a place in my heart for a good H&M. And oh, yeah. that one is big and has good sales. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I love food. So I love the stores called Food Court. <laughs> <laughs> you know the funny thing about... And uh, last time we were at the mall, the same day we went to the Mirror Maze. Yes. We also went to Margaritaville. Oh my gosh. Do not tell people opened, that. Why were we there? For sentimental reasons. I, 
Yeah. And they make a good margarita. On our okay, we've got oh, this is you so, this is want so lame because no, I can I, tell you're are, winding up. On our honeymoon, we were down in Orlando, Florida, which we didn't stay for the whole honeymoon. No, that was not our whole honeymoon. That sounds really lame. We were down there, and right outside Universal Studios was Margaritaville, and it was great. So we went back to the one in the Mall of America to remember. That's all. What is it as great as you remember? Um, no, because it wasn't a little shack outside. Oh, the one in Florida. Yeah. Laura, thank you for your question. Speaking of being from out of town, my interview this week is with Nate Ryan, and he is best known for being the staff photographer at The Current. Now, if you are from out of town, you don't know what The Current is. The Sarah, what is The Current? I mean, it's our local public radio station. Okay, that's great. I'm really <laughs> glad I had you chime in. <laughs> I love The Current. I listen to it every day. But Nate Ryan has photo... I mean, I wanted to list all the th- his credits because he's an award-winning photographer, so I'm going to list his website in the show notes. He's great. Check out his website. Great stuff. Anyways, here's my conversation with Nate Ryan at Nina's Coffee, drinking Americanos. Okay, anyways, you were just saying... Yeah, so, I mean, my kind of background for uh, getting into photography was in photojournalism, kind of doing, thinking about going into, like, traditional newspaper photojournalism. Yeah, yeah. When I was in college and coming out of college, and, like, I didn't even know that commercial photography existed. Yes. Um, I didn't really even think about the magazine editorial photography. I yeah. really just, like, my world of photography solely existed in fine art, like, the stuff that... And not, like, big fine art. Yeah. I meant, like, art fair fine art like pretty photos yes. of italy fine art yes if that makes sense like oh, stuff yeah. that's just oh, like yeah. nice to hang on your wall but not necessarily as intellectual as like something you might find in the walker yeah, or, yeah. like it doesn't um but i had that kind of coming into what i was mm. doing through college i was a studio art and yeah. geology double major yeah I was bringing kind of learning some of that art philosophy in yeah. art history and kind of doing all that stuff. Okay, not to interrupt um, you, but like, oh, yeah. what what is, what's the difference w- between something that you say fine arts and uh, the higher end stuff that you're talking about? What, is there, it, is it like a stylistic thing? I don't think it has anything to do with style. I think a little bit has to do with intentionality. Um, yeah. And the, the thought behind the work, uh, you know, I think, and I don't, I don't think they have to be mutually exclusive either. Um, but I, you know, kind of thinking about like the stuff when you go to the Uptown Art Fair and you walk around there and it's those little white tents and yes. people are selling yes. pretty things for your wall. Yeah. And that's like, and that's totally a fine thing. Like mm-hmm. I have nothing against that, but there is, I think there is something further when you're going to looking at art galleries, yes. you're typically not just getting stuff that's pretty for the wall. Yeah. You're pretty and making you think, or there's some, yes. there's some more meat behind it yes. than just like that's, it's. I mean, it's a little bit of the difference between like super pop music that is just bubble gum. That's yes, that's fun, but also then there's you know that next level being something that makes you think, and they don't have to be mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. So is it um, not? It's not like a, a, a thing that you can tangibly say they include this. It's it's just overall vibe or feeling intentionality. You're saying I think so. Yeah. And I think it's often like you know when you start talking about fine art, I think about things that have an artist statement that has. Yeah. Again, you can kind of talk about the meat behind it a little yeah. bit more. Um, Man, I, I'm you. It's funny when you were like referencing music because I the second you say that I'm like, oh, I, I know exactly well, where you're going I, with sorry, that. Like, yeah. You know, knowing you're a musician, I'm kind of like I can easily put some of these things totally because I'm hanging out with yeah. musicians all the time. With the current, like, I've been able to figure out how to translate some of these ideas and thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Into kind of musical analogies. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, so then, so you're saying you that was your background in photography, yeah, and so you I, get to the currents. Yeah, so I, I started as an intern at the Current right out of college. Um, so in 2010, over that summer, I kind of got a call. Hey, are you available these three days during the state fair? We need extra set of hands. After you're already being an intern. No, that was that was it. Like be, that be, was like that really? was like kind of my intro to being an intern. It was like we need someone for three days. Are you free? And I'm like, yeah. I'll, I'll make myself free. Yes. Yeah, and um, I just became free. Yeah. Yep. So. I started there, kind of became the part-time intern in the, for a little while, became the intern for official six months, and then got mm -hmm. hired on full-time after mm -hmm. that. And that was the first time they'd ever had someone doing full-time photo and video production. Yeah. I mean, it was really growth of the digital side of the current. Yeah. Um, you know, when I started, it was myself and one other intern running the entire web for the current and classical NPR together. Yes. And now we're a team of like six, seven people um, who are That's all full time. Sweet. And it's, you know, so it's yeah. really grown over the eight years I've been there. Um, how, how long ago was that when that started? So I started, I started um, kind of part time in uh, summer of 2010. Yeah, okay. And um, the station had been going for a couple of years at that point and yeah. had been doing the in-studio performances. Mm -hmm. um, but after a year, so 2011, I got hired on full-time yeah. um, to document all the in-studio performances as the kind of the core of what I'm doing. Yes. That is... Okay, I'm fascinated by something within, like, music is the same way, or arts, if you're doing anything like this. There is this side of... you. Everybody, when I get asked, like, how do you get the ins with something? With, like, an ins with, a, say, your situation, like, the current, or an ins with whatever it is. There, ha there always seems to be, like, a starting out where you're doing it for free. And not necessarily, I, don't, I hate saying free, but, I, like, not getting necessarily compensated, like, hired on full-time. Or hired at, the, like, the rate, that, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I was, I was luckily always hired as a paid intern, but it was, oh, yeah, like, yeah. it was, cool. like, just enough to make it let Worthwhile. me kind of scrap through that year with like the money you're getting plus the opportunity I mean, it was plus the opportunity plus I was doing stuff outside of there yes. um, I was assisting a lot of commercial yeah. photographers so kind of right at, as I was let me step back for a second yeah yeah so as I was kind of wrapping up college I was thinking about going photojournalism I was thinking going into like work for the newspaper I had freelanced for in my hometown in Pennsylvania they cut their internship in journalism was just kind of dying and, yes. and especially this was right post recession yeah yeah there was no jobs in journalism yeah. at all um, and so I met with one alum of my school who was working at Target yeah. who kind of like gave me a couple of these the leave behinds that big commercial photo reps mm -hmm. would have and like one of the ones that stands out was Stockland Martell was this big group of um, commercial photographers yes. out in LA that, you know some of the top mm -hmm. top photographers in the world and they gave me like kind of the promo book that they put together every year and it was like oh this whole other world of photography, commercial photography yes. exists. I didn't even know about it. I mean, it's, it's probably something similar for like commercial music too, oh, outside yeah. of like bands playing in little bars. Mm -hmm. But there is this this world of music for TV yeah. commercials and film. It's a similar kind of thing where that's where the money oh, really yeah. in the industry is. Um, and still and, doing it where you're not sacrificing. I'm assuming where you're not sacrificing your art and your creativity and your passion behind exactly. it. It's not like and so I mean I dumbing so, it down. I'm going to say absolutely. Yeah. And so I started to learn about that world by assisting some commercial photographers in the Twin Cities who were pretty well established and just kind of learning this whole other world of running a set, having setting up lighting and kind of doing that. And I was getting paid to do it and learn that stuff, which was awesome. Um, fast forward, you know, I couldn't really, as I was doing more and more with The Current, I couldn't really balance as much of that assisting mm -hmm. work because mm -hmm. neither of those were my own personal schedule. Yeah. I had to really, so I started then at that point transitioning oh, to yeah. shooting for myself 
both okay. at the current and then outside of the current. As so well. even for the current, you what did that look? What did that conversation look like? You said, I. Are you talking about moving from being an intern to yeah. being almost like freelance for them? Uh, I'm staff. Oh, okay, on staff. Yeah, yeah on yeah. staff for them. Um, and so that, you know, I think that was one of those things. They just they realized they had the need, and oh, they yeah. finally made the budget to yeah. bring someone. Made in. it a priority. Made it a priority. Totally, um, man. Okay, so that that's interesting to me. I that's one of the questions when I'm meeting with different. Um, whether it's musicians or artists or something, I'm fascinated by this point of we all do what we do. Yep. Uh, but there's always this point that there's something more. Like, oh, I didn't even know this world existed. Yep. And I'm, that's just such a cool moment, I'm thinking, of when you open up this book and you're like, oh, man, I didn't even know yeah. this was an option. Yeah. And it just opens up for you. Yeah, cool. I think that was really an interesting kind of space. And um, I don't know kind of how to describe that exactly, but I think it... And I don't... Because in some ways it is an artistic thing. Some ways it's just a personal challenge thing that I'd like to explore in that area too. Because yeah. I think, um, and I think that's why I've like doing it on the side, like doing this commercial photography work okay. outside of the current, and kind of that it lets me stretch in different ways. At the current, I'm really I live yes. in a kind of a bubble. I'm a, I'm the only mm-hmm. visual content creator over yes. there. Um, I don't have any colleagues mm-hmm. in that way. But working outside and I, on these commercial projects, often I have a lot bigger, bigger budgets. I'm able to bring in teams and crew yes. and collaborate in a way that I'm not necessarily collaborating. Do you feel like it makes you think outside the box more and on it your feet? It sometimes can. Okay. Yeah. Um, not necessarily always on the feet. It's like actually in some ways it's about the planning process uh, and about that okay, pre-production yeah, yeah. because yeah. there's a lot more moving pieces. Yeah. You have to really think about those things yes. in advance. Um, Man. As so you've been saying this, I'm just realizing I am so far into the deep end of the ignorance side of this, not knowing anything about that world. That's yeah. Crazy. So I mean, I kind of thinking about of what it. I'm doing um, outside of the current has been a slow evolution. But you know, it's sometimes it's editorial projects for mm-hmm. magazines or newspapers. Yep. I've done stuff in the last year for like New York Times, Wall Street Journal. Yes. Um, I've shot for Rolling Stone. Um, a lot of these different things that are, and a lot of those are more portrait-based projects. Yeah. And I really have yeah. been enjoying that. And then Man, your portrait stuff is awesome. That's the Thanks. main thing. After uh, my buddy was like, "Dude, you got to talk to him." Yeah, uh, Eric, right? Yes. Cool. And he was, he was like, "You you got to sit down with him and have this conversation." And then I started looking at your stuff. I'm like, "Okay, this is next level." I, I feel like I appreciate photography, but now I realize I actually don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it comes to stuff, especially portraits. I don't I can't even imagine. Okay, so uh, the, you're talking about doing portrait stuff for some like bigger magazines. How did that come about? Is did you pitch stuff to them, or did they contact you? The whole process is such a slow evolution. I think it's like about building a portfolio. You know, we were talking before we started rolling about Mm -hmm. just kind of traveling and personal trips, and I've tried to get out to New York at least once or twice a year. Yeah, um, there's some portfolio events that you can go and pay pay to speed date with people who hire photographers. Really? um, You know, it's good and bad. I think I've only gotten one project that actually panned out from that specifically yes. Smithsonian Magazine. I met okay. someone there and a year, year and a half later, finally I got a job from that. Yes. And so it's just, you never know what, what little thing you winds up being know. the piece that actually gets you hired. Yeah. But, um, you know, I'm, but anyway, I yeah. went out there and you, you pay like a, a per meeting and you get yeah. 10 or 15 meetings in a two or three day period. And it's really? 15, 15, 20 minutes. You sit down with your portfolio and you have 15 minutes to kind of pitch yourself and build a relationship with someone. Holy crap. Yes. But it's so valuable yes. because our industry is so based on yeah. personal relationships. And it's 
you can kind of only get so much by sending yes. cold emails and cold ma- mailers to people that actually like sitting down yeah. and meeting someone and be like, okay, yeah, we could, if we have to go hang out for yeah. one to four days on a yeah. project, are we actually going to vibe and have it yes. this work? It's, um, yeah. Okay. Oh, all right. Tell so me, no. tell me this, but the side, yeah. sorry to interrupt you. All these things no, you're saying, good. I love, I love these things. I mean, so I love you're gonna this. You're going to have to cut this up. And no, man, I, I love this. Uh, are, you, are you talking about sitting down and you have to pitch being in front of the recently, uh, I, it was yesterday. I had my first kind of pitch meeting yeah. uh, with somebody with an idea for a marketing uh, campaign. It was the first time I had to sit down and literally sell something. And I was beforehand. I thought, Oh, this is gonna be a piece of cake. And I sat down and I realized, Oh man, this one-on-one thing I'm actually kind of nervous for. Uh, has were you nervous like the first time you had to start pitching absolutely. and selling yourself? Absolutely. And yeah. I think it, the only thing that makes it easier is more of it. Okay. Yeah. And um, you know, I think that even yeah, as it as, as it's went, it's just like figuring out what are the anecdotes that you want to tell, and yes. like, but also it's about also finding out about that other person and like you can't yes. purely be pitching that entire time you gotta actually be listening mm-hmm. and like engaging with that other person and that's yeah. that's easy to forget yeah like, cause it's you get in this mind of like me, me trying to do the yes. I'm trying to, but it's like it's about I can building that really it's yeah half of it's about the portfolio and just sitting down and looking at it and half of it's also about meeting yeah. that person do you think that um, is do you think your uh your ability to do that comes from you had mentioned earlier your love of story uh, do you feel like that plays a role in thinking big picture and trying to because you have to tell like a micro 15 minute story to them that impact- I think there's a little bit of that and I, and I still don't know what my story is either yeah, yeah. in some ways because I you know we've been yeah. talking about my portraits and the music stuff but I mean, yeah. the commercial stuff I've been doing a lot yeah. of that is coming from like my personal interest in cycling and yeah, being yeah. outdoors and so a lot of this active lifestyle stuff too yes and I'm trying to figure out still as a as a photographer mm-hmm. how do I merge those two kind of personalities together because yeah. a lot of times people are looking for the spit person who does X or does Y and you yes. want and so it's really hard to be the person who does X and Y. Yes. And so I'm trying to, you know, I think ultimately I'm trying to bring those together just to be mm. doing Z and have Z encompass everything. But, oh, man. Okay, um, that's that's awesome because I'm, man, I've been struggling with that in music uh, lately. You can't be everything for everyone. But at the same time, I'm I as a person with my own interests, I'm not laser focused and only interested in this one thing. I have so many things. So how do you... Do you do you are you intentional about finding balance between all those things you're talking about, or do you just let it go of it and just see what comes out of it? Just follow your interests. I just think I, when you're saying that, I'm just resonating with it because I feel like it's a new realization over the past couple of years of me, where if I let myself be encompassed by all my interests and be fully 100% myself, then it feeds other things in a cool way that no one else will have my own style. Yep. And I don't know if you've started seeing that. I think that. there's definitely some of that to that. Um, okay. Where it, you know, the, the things can play off each other and they're kind of, the magic happens in the yeah, middle, yeah, gr- yeah. Middle, middle ground moments. But at the same time, the, there's the balance of doing stuff for yourself. Yeah. And there's the balance of doing it for clients and having clients who yeah. are looking for a specific thing and being yes. able to... Because, you know, yeah. I think you're talking about you're not that knowledgeable about photography and you're seeing something, like understanding something. Yeah. A lot of clients, they need to see what they're looking for to be yes. able to, before they hire you for that. So it's like, do you, you pretty like much have to have it out there. Yeah. The, you, 
you know, like with examples, are you talking yeah. about examples? Examples to show in them? your portfolio. Yeah. You get hired for what you've already done. Yeah. Essentially, you almost never get hired for thinking something you've never done before. Um, uh, so let me let me yes. jump back for a second. Um, oh, yeah. and think just kind of about that transition to, into being an independent photographer outside of the current and kind of going from assisting to shooting. Um, a lot of people kind of ask on how you how you make that transition and. Um, you know, there's been a bunch of different ways, mm-hmm. but I think a couple of resources I've kind of found was like yeah. local community. There's uh, American Society of Media Photographers, ASMP, is a group in the Twin Cities that will do oh, like really? monthly meetings. I haven't heard of that. Um, and some of that, like, and I think it, it's kind of ebbed and flowed in terms of how active the group has been. Yeah. But there's been a lot of different meetings on like with uh, photo marketing people or yeah. art buyers at agencies all coming together and kind mm-hmm. of sitting about and having a, a marketing meeting and talking about how they best like to he- get marketed too and yes. how photographers mm-hmm. can best market themselves and kind of yeah. do's and don'ts around that. And yeah. so like, there's a lot of those very specific nuts and bolts things and going mm-hmm. to those workshops. And, yeah. Um, that's it's been cool. where I've really learned a lot of this stuff and figured out. Because from the outside, I think, I, I just, when I see mm-hmm. photography as a profession, I just think, well, you just have to build your portfolio and then you put it out there and hopefully someone sees it. But there's so many, it sounds like there's so many more things so and nuts and bolts that go into that it. kind of, to, ways to be intentional about what yeah. you're doing in terms of marketing yourself at least. Yeah. And it's, it's even like an example, is there one, like, is there one thing that you've implemented when it comes to like marketing yourself that you've thought is like the most beneficial um uh, that's such like a random like give me the one thing but i don't know if uh, something comes to mind no i don't think anything specific i think it's a, it's a doing all of it all the time in, yeah. in a weird way yeah um but and then like the reality is also the marketing side of it only yeah. matters yay much um yeah. and as much of it is is like sitting down and saying yes to things and meeting with mm-hmm. people and you know, who knows where this conversation could, and someone totally. hearing this, like this, yes. this is the kind of stuff, like in some ways, I feel obligated to say yes to because yeah. that ends up being marketing. But I don't totally. Know, but oh like, yeah, I don't, man, that's the but thing. But I also the, don't yeah. want to think about it only in that way too. We were yes. talking about I went out to LA and it was yeah. like I did this workshop and yeah. half of it I was going out to meet people. Yeah, but meet people in a little bit of a different than those portfolio shows where you get 15 minutes with someone. I wanted to meet people and have a whole weekend to hang out at, over this workshop. And like, that's totally what happened. Was I right? Totally. Was meeting people and yeah. kind of building these connections that are more than these like little quick. Yes. It goes things. a little bit deeper. Man. Uh, when you're talking about the, the, the going a little bit deeper, not the snap stuff. I uh, was listening to someone recently, an interview with someone else that was talking about his, uh, approach to going to an event like South by Southwest and his deal is most people go to events or like your your event that you're talking about in LA yeah. and they try to be as wide as possible you meet as many people as possible and you only go this deep with them yeah uh, but his approach is go super focused and go way deeper with a few people and find that balance between that limit it to a certain amount don't just try to like have quick like one minute interactions go a little bit deeper with some people because that's where the benefit of everything comes from absolutely yeah and I've definitely felt that yeah found that Um, cool and I think that that totally resonates oh yeah yeah. man it is tell tell me your thoughts on this you mentioned you're talking about business stuff and even uh, man you're this is awesome. You're so polite about like this, about like this podcasting about this being like you say yes to this because it's a great marketing opportunity. Which I it's totally that that is my number one with people uh, that I don't have interaction with. You have to realize that 
everybody has a certain amount of hours in a day and there has to be something in it for other people to take time out of their day whether it's you know, convince them it's just gonna be enjoyable yeah. or it's beneficial all these things but I feel like in the artistic world there is this pushback of the business like the business is dirty of that so we don't want to talk about like hey listen we're gonna hang out and grab coffee purely for to like connect because we can mutually benefit each other but it's super necessary I don't know how you've balanced that yeah and I think you know I think it comes from I've had one mentor in the Twin Cities who's a commercial photographer and she's been very clear about she's into commercial photography um, because she wants to make money if she was pure if she was just doing photography purely for the love of it, yeah. she wouldn't be doing commercial photography. She'd be doing yes. fine art. She'd be doing something a little different. And, um, yeah. I mean, she's supporting a full family of three kids and her husband all herself as a commercial photographer. Um, yeah. And so I think th- there's that balance of things. And I think that's actually her influence in having yeah. coffee meetings. And having a, she's about 10, 11 years further in the industry than I am. Yeah. And I think it's, which has been a kind of a good, uh, you know, someone I've met with for the, over the last eight that you years. you can see just a few steps yeah, ahead of you. A couple you steps ahead yeah. and see kind of yeah. what's out there and kind yeah. of how to handle balance some of that, those things. Yes. And I think it's, um, you know, being clear that there's parts of photography that I do because I absolutely love it. And there's yes. parts of photography I do because I need to do make a business. I need yes. to have an income. And I, I much prefer doing it in photography than something else yes um, and that's totally cool it's not oh man I, I just feel this I love this because I feel like I've had so many conversations with people lately of talking about this subconscious thing we have of selling out or something this thought of like this well, I'm not in it for the money like we have something to prove like no money equal that equals freedom to yep. do something if you can do it with you, what you love you've you beat the right. system. So just kind of, yeah, going back to that kind of the idea of selling out or in get, in money giving you freedom, I think I've tried to figure out how to balance that on the freelance side, doing the projects that I really want to do mm-hmm. just because I want to do them, yeah. and the projects that have yeah. bigger budgets. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's really nice when those can sync up. And, yeah. I, you know, I think I really... I keep going back to this conference out in L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, this, it was a workshop called um, Yeah Field Trip. And it was this creative, it was okay. a group, it was mostly photographers, but drew from a wider creative community as yeah. well. Um, There's some like straight up photo, oh, yeah. hands-on workshops. I really wasn't attending any of those. I was yeah. really going to more of like the creative uh, philosophy type classes and kind of thinking about some of these things. Are you saying like what what's behind the photography? Yeah, kind of what's like behind what's the, what the creativity? The creativity, the things you're doing for yourself in yes. a way. And so figuring that out, that balance, I... You know, as I was first kind of getting into doing work, you know, I was, I really love doing work with musicians. Yeah. And so I was trying to figure out ways to make that actually be an income generator. Totally. But I realized no one's, musicians especially aren't making any money doing this. Yes. Um, if I want to be working with musicians, I, I shouldn't really be looking to them to be paying my living. Yes. And so I'm, I'm balancing that out. And I think some of the more recent projects I've done, I've taken the little budget that the musicians have and put that all into the project to create something I really want to create. So yes. I did a music video this January. Pretty much put, I paid myself a very small amount. Yeah. Paid crew, rented gear, got an incredible space and yeah. people involved in that mm-hmm. and was re- created something I was really, really proud of. Yeah. And so I'm trying to figure out the projects, I think with musicians, I'm going to let those be more of that where it's creating something that I really want to create and this collaboration with yes. someone I really want to support personally um, and that you know focusing yeah. on that 
where you know if it's something coming through an ad agency yeah that's not I mean it might scratch a creative itch in a, in a yeah. way and it's going to push me and like help almost, me grow uh, almost as just like a secondary thing will come along with that like the like it might it may yeah. you're not doing it for that but it may still yeah you know okay. I think that, and I think I still like projects that are challenging yes and yep. I think that's something that often still the agency projects at this point still are challenging for me and creative yep. for that in that yep. way but I think at a certain point they're going to be a little bit more routine yes and they do need to kind of live in that that space that oh, if yeah. I'm going to say yes yep. to them they need to live yep. in that space of they are going to help me do projects that are just purely yes. for myself with other friends and things like that oh man and so it's that middle uh, ground of I you gotta, love all why that. you say yes to a project mm-hmm. I think is really interesting and the middle ground is the kind of the spot that you almost don't want to where there's not a ton of budget there's not a ton of creative freedom um, but the projects that have a ton of creative freedom that you really are passionate about yes. saying yes to those saying yes to the things that allow you to be to say yes to those other things because yeah. they have the budget mm-hmm. Um, and then that'll free you up to do the things that don't necessarily have the budget but right. that will feed you in other areas. But at the same time, I think the more you do the projects that have, that are what you want to do, yes, you're going to find those budget, the budgets fi- for those projects kind of wind up appearing. You know, I think one of my biggest projects I ever yeah. did, I loved because it kind of brought that photojournalism background mm-hmm. and that working with people who aren't models mm-hmm. Um, and that was through Olson Ad Agency, and yeah. it was working with um, a group of la- labor and trade unions. Sweet. And doing a series of portraits and little video portraits of these yeah. guys who've never been in front of a camera, guys and, and women who are involved in the the trades and yeah. kind of supporting them. And it had a great budget. Yeah. And I actually cared about it, and it was like this yes. beautiful kind of like symbiotic thing where. But at the same time, I didn't have as, as much creative control. Yeah. But I still really enjoyed the project. Yeah. There was a lot of challenge. It yeah. still was challenging oh, yeah. in ways that I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, so so you're, are you saying, uh, to go back a couple of seconds, yeah. of like we are you saying that if you open yourself to figure out where all these, uh, where when to say yes to a project, and sometimes it feeds different things, financially, creativity, that then there is a synergy that hap- ends up opening up of, I think the more, that has all of it. Yeah, I think the more you say yes to the things that don't have the budget, but are feeding you and you're creating the work that you want to create, you're going to create more of that work and people are going to see that work and they're going to wind up finding money to support that work, I think. You know, it's one of those things that's still not fully kicked off, yes. but I feel like, but it, it feels like it's right on the edge there of happening more. Man, okay, that that is so cool to me, dude. Because the thought of I'm sure you have friends uh, that are this way too, or you just know people that are they go so hard to the right and only say yes to things that have the budget, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's where the safety is, all that, and they say no to everything else because they're so time consumed in this and then there's the people that are so far on the left side that are yep. just purely in it for the art I don't care about money yep. and then they're you strapped feel like you find a lot of that especially okay so you feel like that happens yep. more often I think a little bit um, but yeah um, yeah I think that happens a lot but I think it's figuring out that yeah. right it's, it's all over that balance of it all man I yeah that's I love that thought of balance with everything because I'm the yeah. same I'm constantly doing that in music our with like I'm just trying to think of a personal example of I mean 
Yeah, I guess I have. All right, here's 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 something that's made. I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out and vocalize why this is all hitting me, and I think this is it. Um, I hate the question. How much do you charge for this? Like if someone cold uh, cold turkey hits you up and says, yeah. "How much do you charge for this service?" Because of everything you're saying, like it, well, it depends on the work. If it's something that is purely for uh, the financial side or something like a more of the business oriented, that my numbers can be way higher. But if it's something I'm passionate about and I love and it's feeding me in other ways, the numbers can be lower. So there's yep. no like. Uh, standard fee and I don't know if you're the same way yeah absolutely I think it's also I mean I think you know I think there's a lot of analogies for pricing photography and pricing music yes um, because you know photographers hold on to the copyright just like a musician does and it's all about licensing out your work and the value Mm -hmm. of that that same photo might be wildly different depending on where it's going Um, that same song so like if you have a sync mm. for music and it's in a TV commercial that's airing nationally, yeah. there's a lot of value in that song. Same idea for that if a photo is going to run on billboards across the country yeah. versus is it going to run in just hanging one person one store? Is, yes. it hang, is it just going to run in a single news, like a little postcard? You know, that same image, it's about the value to oh, that man. client. And so that it's the same thing for... Yeah licensing music too uh, well for me as a freelance guy mainly I I don't think about that I've never yeah. thought about the end result is that a regular question that you get that you ask um are you thinking about where it's, it's not going not where when I say yes to it but okay. it, it definitely does affect you know the price that I'm gonna the price throw. okay yeah. yeah you know um and sometimes it, but it's also a lot of companies are asking for unlimited use in forever for mm-hmm. images, which technically means they could do whatever they want with it. Yeah. But the reality is they may not be using it. And so it's figuring that that's the thing that I think is really challenging in this industry right now. Yeah. Photography, a long time there was um, a real sense of licensing and where you would say, you get one year, you get three years. Yes. And you only can use it for this. And people mm-hmm. were used to managing that for that. Yeah. But now we have so many different media outlets, social, web, print, yes. everything. Um, you take people, one photo and it can just be everywhere. It can be forever. everywhere. People, people want to be able to do that. Yeah. But the reality is also they may not, but they want that option. And so it's figuring out that balance yeah. of choo- figuring out pricing for what someone's asking for, which yes. is technically the moon. Yeah, oh yeah. But the reality is they're probably only going to use a teeny little piece of it. Yeah. And but they just want the option of that. But they want the option. And so, I don't uh, know, figuring that balance yeah. is... I mean, I didn't even know that existed in photography because I, I know that exists. I mean, music, the closest relation to that is royalties, right? I mean, you get paid how much, how many times it streams or how much people are listening to it or how well, much but then they, I think that Yeah, but then like, you do have the sync rights kind of space. Yeah. And that's the space that I think that's the most analogous to yeah. the way photography works where you're, you know, a sync in a big national TV show is going to be worth yes. a lot. And depend, and you know, does it have the lyrics or not? Like, there's yeah. different values in terms of how prominent it is, too. So, so when I show up as a freelance musician for a session, yeah, I I'm there. I'm not dealing with contracts, yep. and the only time I mean, if songwriters are dealing with those contracts all right. the time. But as a freelance photographer doing your own thing, is are contracts and dealing with that just all the time? Is it constant for you? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, a lot of people think of photography as like this. You know, we keep talking about business in this conversation. I know, it just naturally... And like, it, because I think that's one of the things that 
the reality of being a photographer is, is I'm a small yeah. business owner. Yeah. I'm an LLC. I am yeah. constantly working on contracts and yes. working on getting paid and yeah. doing bookkeeping. You know, before mm-hmm. coming over here, I'm sending like all my bank statements over to the bookkeeper and yep. dealing with some marketing stuff and following up with a recent photo shoot and kind of a confirming mm-hmm. that I got payment and just yep. all the business side of it yeah. is the vast majority of the time is um, spent on that. Is spent on that on my on my freelance yeah. stuff. You know, that's the kind of the one great thing about yeah. the current is yeah. I'm just shooting. I, I'm shooting and I'm editing. They own all the rights because they own staff. the rights yeah. as a staff photographer, um, which is it's a balance. Oh, yeah. um, but luckily, I get health insurance and I get benefits. Yeah. And that's that's my balance there. Man, that is so cool. I mean. The staff photographer at the current, I mean, that title of a job just seems so badass to me. It just sounds, and I'm sure you, it's always, it sounds more glamorous than it is. I mean, there's obviously so much work that goes into it. Yeah. But that's just, it just sounds from the outside of like, oh, you've beat the system somehow. Like, you're in there, you have the stability of a normal job doing art. Yep. Man, that's cool. And I think it's, and I, in a lot of ways, I absolutely love it. In a lot of ways, there's, it's still a job, and it's still, yeah. it's still challenges yeah, to it too. I think there's, yeah. there's no job that you could really have where you don't have, yeah. have that. Even as a, you know, the freelance side has its own challenges, like dealing yeah. with all the paperwork we we're just talking about. Like, yes. there's everything. Yeah. Those balances again. Okay, give me give me your opinion on this. Um, I interviewed a producer, electric guitar player for this buddy of mine down in Arizona, and one of his, his big things in life is he calls it the problem with human familiarity, and, and his thought is that whenever, no matter how cool something is, no matter how cool your job is, you become familiar with it at a certain point in time, right? Yep. So how do you balance, how do you like keep yourself in check doing something that you're showing up to kind of a day job, even though it's something you love? Is that, do you make a conscious decision to be intentional about being, like making gratitude a part of that? Or how do you? I think that's something I have to kind of revisit yeah. multiple times. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I, it's definitely something I've considered and. Yeah, you know, there's there's days where you're like, I just, I'm just gonna kind of do this one as like I, the way I've done it before, yes. and not think about it. And I think yeah. that's where I do like the balance of having the staff work and the outside work because yeah, yeah. I'm getting new ideas, collaborating outside of the station, yeah. and br- trying to bring those back. I'm getting kind of those like those little swift yes. kicks in the ass that you need yes. to kind of like stay so motivated keep moving you forward. and keep moving forward. And so like, yeah, I was working with a friend yeah. on, on something recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm. He, I get, loaned him my camera for, um, for a project. I'm yeah. now borrowing a piece of gear from him. And so yes. I took that in and used that in a studio yesterday. Yeah. And it was kind of a something trying, you know, again, trying a something new. to try something yeah. new and different. Yes. And just kind of tweak things a little bit yeah. and see how things can work yeah. in a little different way. And, oh, um, man. You know, so I think part it's, of it's like not just getting stuck in your way of like this. I do it. I turn on my. I got my preset settings. Let's get get in, get out. Yeah, because like keeping I yourself still fresh. feel like there's ways to kind of improve what we're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think the big yeah. challenge is that I'm I'm the only person in the studio filming typically. You know, yeah. For what we're doing, I'm setting up four, five cameras at least, and yeah. most of those are just static on a tripod, and then I'm running yeah. one that I'm trying to get as many details and different looks yeah. out of as possible. Um, is most of when you're saying that is it video or what's so, like the what's the ratio of like video to fo- like photo for, um, that you do? So motion to still, I guess. So what's that, what the term is? I don't yeah, know. it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. Uh, I'm not I'm not super particular. Yeah. Um. So the for the 
like the majority of what I'm doing at the current is the in-studio performances when bands are coming mm-hmm. in and recording sessions. And I am doing photos during sound check and kind of while bands are setting up and kind yeah. of getting all that. Bands will typically run through each of the songs the full, all the way through all three songs of recording for yeah. the engineer is doing a live audio mix. So he needs to kind of yeah. learn those songs and figure out how to and get the mix dialed in. Yes. I'm kind of fine tuning where my camera placement is yeah. and taking stills. Yeah. And then by the time they're getting ready to record the actual session, yes. I'm standing behind the, the video cameras and rolling and having them all roll. Yeah, you're still taken care of stills now. Stills are done to that yeah. point. Partly, I can make noise during sound check. I can't yeah. make noise during the recording. Yeah. So then I'm just doing video because otherwise cool. my camera's making clicks and yeah. shutter noises, and I'm walking around. Yeah. Since being a little bit more static. Um, yeah. Not so super distracting. Then, yeah. Yeah. And then I am downloading all that. I'm doing all the editing and post production on all those videos too. So that's yeah. a huge another piece of time. Oh yeah. Um, to what Man, I'm there's doing a, there. There's an art to that. I remember, uh, I've never done anything with The Currents, but when I was on tour with Owl City, we did a bunch of radio promo. And it was, there's an art form to being there and getting close shots. I From the outside, I guess. Yeah. Like getting it and being there, but staying, like being, I don't want to say fly on the wall, but not being invasive. Yeah, I don't know. I think I don't that's, know that's, that's definitely something. a huge thing to, that, you know, I've thought about in balance with these sessions is like, how much are we documenting the radio session versus yeah. how much are we doing a video session? And I think that balance might be mm. shifting slowly to you know, more video a sessions. Bit more video more, session, yeah. Like having the video be a little bit higher priority just yeah. because that actually our audience has been growing and that actually might be the yeah. the majority of the audience is going to experience this yeah. as a video only, never as a radio product. Yes. Um, and that, but that's but we're still a radio station. So yeah. it's, it's that balance too. Um, oh man, yeah, I love that. So anyway, there's, there's that kind of yeah. piece of things too. Um, Ben, just balance everything. I've, I'm, I'm <laughs> that so word gonna, keeps coming back. I know. I keep. I love that because I one one of the hardest things about doing this podcast for me is conveying because it's such a different thing where it's not focused on this is a photography or music podcast or something, but uh, conveying the thought like, listen, we're gonna sit down and we're gonna have a conversation. I have no idea where it's gonna end up, but somehow throughout all of these, there a theme kind of shows up. Yeah. Just in when you're just being intentional with it and it just seems like balance seems like an important thing for you I think you. that sounds yeah and then I remember in your questions you kind of sent in advance you're yeah. kind of talking about how does um, curiosity that was sorry yeah oh so, yeah yeah I, that's so something anyway. I asked is like how, is, how does curiosity play a role in what you do yeah so I think that was like a huge yeah. I really like resonated with that question that idea of how does curiosity uh, yeah. kind of play into because I think one of the biggest things I love about photography and especially around the freelance side of things yes. is I'm always going into it's letting the camera be a mm-hmm. way to open doors into little worlds that have no idea existed before I kind of mm-hmm. went into them yeah um, and so that's I think when in, you know even the for the current and that NPR, you know, yeah. I've had the camera and those pro- that open doors yes. to areas and things that I, I never expected. Um, are you saying, when you say open doors, you mean that you just wouldn't get to experience outside if ex- it wasn't for the excuse to take a photo for exactly. it? Exactly. And cool. I think also, and some of it's experiencing, some of it's meeting yeah. um, people and kind of engaging with people and kind of, yes. but just all these things that I, sometimes I'm bouncing all around yeah. you know sometimes there'll be like, something for classical in the morning and then a punk band in the afternoon and like this dichotomy or um, you know getting chances to travel with the current too we were kind of talking about going down mm-hmm. the south by southwest for the first time as the current this year last fall we went to Iceland for the Iceland Airways Music Festival which yes. was incredible it's such a 
incredible oh, man. country. Oh, you were out there for that? Yeah. That would be so awesome. Would, and we I weren't just in Reykjavik. We went up to Akureyri, which oh, is this God. northern town, too. It's like a six-hour drive. Yes, outside the touristy area. And so, oh. and just hanging out at this little bar and having yes. bands come and perform in the front window of this bar. Yes. It was... That was super cool. Um, you know, I did a big project with uh, Prairie Home Companion during Garrison's final season hosting the show and documenting a lot of that that final season, too. And so I got to the final, go out to the final show at yes. the Hollywood Bowl and go to yeah. the Ryman and spend two days at the Ryman. And so the, these iconic spaces, and I think that one of the first big projects I got to do with The Current yeah. that felt of that way was um, local musician Jerry Messersmith when he went and yeah. played uh, Letterman. Um, oh yeah, I got a chance to go along and document did that whole you? show. Yeah, so do you? Um, you know, did you meet Ian Allison? Yeah. He's a close friend of mine yeah, on bass. Absolutely. I don't know if uh, Grady Kenavan was playing drums. I don't think Grady was um, uh, at that point in time. I forget who was playing. I mean, the drummer. The drummer at the time moved to Keys now. Or, yep. Um, but Dan Lawan is a buddy of mine who played okay, cello yep. with that. Yep. Oh, funny. Yeah, so um, I knew Pete Sieve and got to know oh, Pete yeah. Sieve a little bit, uh, who was playing guitar with Jeremy at that time. Yeah. And so that's kind of like, I heard that this was happening before it became yeah. public knowledge. Yeah. And then went scrambling around internally at NPR to be like, hey, this is, you know, Jeremy's yeah. an artist oh, yeah. that The Current had been supporting for a really long time. Yes. This was suddenly like a real big break for him. He'd signed the label, signed yep. with Glassnote, and was going yeah. out there. Um, but like it was, you know, there's so many moving pieces to something like that. Yeah. So it was figuring out there's two big things we had to solve. We needed to find budget. Yep. To send to me get out, you out there, there. Yeah, out oh, there. Yeah. and then we needed to actually get permission from yeah. the Letterman crew and the oh, stage. Oh man, I wouldn't have thought about that. And like, yeah. and especially it's, we're talking New York City. We're talking unions. We're talking just yes. a very tight run yes. show with a lot of rules. Oh yeah, and. Did that you was, have to get union qualification? I didn't have that? to get union qualification or whatever. But that, I, yeah, I was only able to shoot Join sound checks. I was not oh. actually able to shoot the actual performance. Really? So because they had that I was, was their deal. They locked off in the green room with like Jeremy's manager watching on TV. Really? For every oh, and then like man. meeting them, seeing them all right before they went on stage yep. and all coming right off stage. Yep. And you're there for both of those things, but that you but, couldn't be out there during the um, live recording. Anyway, yeah. we wound up yeah. getting. Working through, I mean, this is the one great thing about having support from the current and yeah. NPR. The grants team was able to get an extra little bit of budget from yeah. the Minnesota Legacy Amendment to cover Jeremy as a Minnesota artist. Um, and so we yes. got money to f- send me out. Yep. That came through like the day before the recording. I think literally. So it was literally up to three, like a day I think before. Four hours before the flight I would need to min- yep. get there, we got approval. I can't remember which one came first, but it was like three or four hours before I needed to be on an airplane. We got. You still don't know if you're going to be on that airplane. Oh my gosh, that's so good. Last minute. Yes. Approval from Letterman. Last note somehow pulled strings and Uh, got approval. Yes. um, And money came through. That's so awesome. Like preemptively packed a change of clothes and a toothbrush and had my camera gear ready in my car. You're just like standing by the door waiting to run. I just picture you. Pretty much. And uh, yeah, I mean, of course, had to fly some roundabout way because it was such a last minute thing. Totally. But um, yeah, made it out there. and That's sweet. Was that a blast? It was a blast. And so, I mean, it was crazy because it was over the summer while the show would actually do a double taping in a day. So we had to load in at... 3.45 3.45 a.m. Yeah. And I went with the band. I don't think they expected a photographer, so they didn't have their hand, like photographer handler there at all. Yeah, yeah. So I had 
pretty free reign at that yes, time. That's sweet. Um, and is so, there, are they, does it film at night or is it in like an, I it think it's like films an afternoon, in the afternoon. thing. Okay, so, yeah. so anyway, Jeremy loaded in super yeah, yeah. early, then set up everything, did a rough sound check. Yep. And then they had a like a four hour break and then came yeah. back at like two in the afternoon. Yes. For four o'clock taping. In the meantime, they loaded in another band, taped that other show, loaded them out, and then Jeremy came back for that yes. second, for that taping. So they filmed two a day. They filmed two so the band so the crew could have a four day weekend. Really? Yeah. So oh. this was on like a Thursday. Yeah. Or no a Wednesday. So yeah. they taped, so that's not the regular thing of their they would tape protocol. like a Wednesday, Thursday all in one day so they could have and then Friday was a rerun so they'd essentially yeah. have oh is that always th- is that the standard I think they normally do four days okay and then I over the summer that. they do a three day week jeez so they just cram so it awesome. together and um were you out the next morning were you uh, like you flew, flew in had that and then stay the night and you were out the next morning for it um was it just like this I whirlwind? spent another night the I was expecting to like be able to hang out and watch yeah. with the band while they like watch themselves yes. on TV. No, they flew. They they taped till five thirty, got a drinks to celebrate. Yep. In a van back to the airport to fly, and they were Straight on a back. flight. Yes. Back to Minneapolis. Oh, man, that's not even so able funny. to watch themselves yeah, yeah, being on TV. Totally. <laughs> so, I like, can someone record this? We got to watch it on YouTube. Whatever. Yep, when we exactly. get back. Exactly. It's funny. Um, so man, I mean, that, that was that was kind of one of the most like exciting projects. Oh that yeah. I, just because that you know it's the Ed Sullivan Theater yes. it's just such an iconic yes. venue and it was it was about you know Jeremy was like the second one of the second artists I yeah one of the, not, Jeremy was one of the first artists I probably were ever photographed yeah. for the current when I first was starting as an intern I, go, yeah. I remember kind of a big thing of going up to Duluth and to Nina or no oh. uh, Beaners coffee shop up in yeah. Duluth and Jeremy played a little show at Beaners and uh, that was like one of the uh, first bigger projects I ever did for the current he does seem he does he is like a Minnesota hometown like it, it, there's a lot of local support like everybody is rooting for Jamie Mezzer Smith I've yep. never heard anybody that doesn't like his stuff <laughs> in town yep. is there anybody else that, like you've seen doing your photography stuff that uh, is similar to that do you or um, like maybe on the front end, is there anybody you're like you you need to keep an eye out for this person because? So I guess a, there's a couple artists that have outside. I, I maybe like started to make friends with them with the current. Yeah. But then have built like a bigger relationship with oh, them. Yeah. And so the, some of those artists might be at Chastity Brown and mm-hmm. then uh, Frankie Lee are two artists that I've really built. Yeah. Connections with outside of yeah. the current. You know, people were. I'm, I'll just go and have dinner with them. Not yeah, that's do a, cool. Anything photo photo yes. related. That's um, sweet. And so those are artists that. You know, I just recently shot photo shoot with Frankie Lee just recently. Yeah, that's sweet. And it was a lot of fun. We just took a whole day and hung out and kind of just the two. I could have brought an assistant, someone to do yeah. like styling, but no, I decided it was just about yeah that like one-on-one let's connection. Get, yeah, let's just finding. get it tight. The two of us get out there and do it. And so we hung out at his his place, drove down from Stillwater down to Red Wing, kind of stopped along the way. Oh, and yeah. Did some shoot, shooting down yeah. in Red Wing. And I think it... Yeah, I'm really happy with kind of how that worked. And then I mentioned earlier a music video I did back in January. That was with um, J.S. and Dara, who was going oh, by yeah. Jay Smart for a little while. Okay. And he's got things shaking and moving. And really? I've been working, meeting his manager who's based in New York mm-hmm. and bumped into her in New York and, and in L.A. And saw Jay yeah. play out in L.A. when I was out there this winter. Yes. And, um, yeah, that's I think Jay's got... Is someone to be kind of keeping an eye on. Man, that would be cool to have. I love the thought that um, 
you just said earlier about, we were talking about new, uh, photography opening up doors, right? Yep. For stuff. And like even the doors to relationships. And yeah. like, the, like that is the coolest thing that you wouldn't, yeah, like with musicians and like those re- one-on-one yeah. on one relationships you have. Yeah, and I mean, I think Frankie's been become yeah. just a, a really close friend in a way. And like, he often has been, he's done a bunch of the, these yeah. residencies down in the clown lounge basement. Yeah. And those have been something I've just enjoyed as a fan to go mm-hmm. to and hang out at. And just, yeah. they're super casual and fun. And But he's brought in some amazing artists too. So like, yes. he's friends with Jenny Lewis and the Cactus Blossoms and the Pines and Dave Simon of Trampled by Turtles. Yes. And they've all come and just played this like, to 50 people in the basement of Clown Lounge uh, at midnight on a Sunday night. Yes. And those have been just super fun. Man, uh, I was okay. I was listening to an interview uh, with Bono. I think it's Bono on the Edge of U2. And they were talking about, they referenced uh, such and such a person. They were talking about their kids and how this person, this person's kids had a birthday and this person was important to them because they were, they, were, they photographed us a bunch back in the day. And it caught me off guard because it was the first time I realized, oh, that relationship you can have. If you're someone that's always shooting or you're part of it, it goes beyond like this professional relationship. There's a friendship there. And I didn't, it was the first time I saw that. So it's cool to hear your experience. Yeah, well, I think, building I think friendships more and more is going. We were kind of talking yeah. about the, those building relationships early yeah. on yeah, yeah. kind of in this conversation. And I think that, you know, I don't want to, it's, it's a balance of like thinking about it for business standpoint, but also, yeah. but the reality is that's what you'd, you'd rather be working with friends and yes. being, you know, hanging out with friends and having that. Yeah. It be, but I think that also is, we, you know, we haven't really d- discussed, you know, I think some of the challenges in this industry too, but I think that is because it is so friend centric. It's really hard to yeah. kind of get that, some of the diversity. And I see this sometimes. And then something I try to think about when I'm pulling together a crew is yeah. at least to, but it's a it's a challenge when you're you're pulling just purely from your group of friends. Yes. Too. Okay. Um, and it's something I haven't solved at all. But I, I but yeah. at least am trying w- to think about more that more. Now I have a theory, and I call it the, uh, and I think I, I wonder if it would be in, uh, translate to photography. My theory is the four levels of musicianship. So the very first level is you appreciate something. You can tell when something's good or bad. You may not be able to articulate it, but you can appreciate it. And then the second level is you can appreciate it and somewhat replicate it, right? Yep. And then that's the next level of like, I can kind of like for, in my scene, like you can, I can play this guitar line or this bass line and it's there. It doesn't sound necessarily like it, but I can kind of play it to that level. The third level is where you can play it exactly like it. It sounds studio quality. Uh, And then the fourth level, the highest one where we're all trying to reach and get to with art is to be the one that comes up with it. That is even that, and that like third to fourth is such a far stretch. But sometimes you have to go through that duplicate replicate yes. stage yes to figure out okay now i figure out what is happening here yeah. what's working here yeah and sometimes you share that stuff sometimes you don't yes. sometimes, uh, and sometimes that's totally. just a task I, I totally agree with that in photography too yeah. like, so i definitely i definitely look at other photographers yeah, as i was gonna that was, I was gonna ask if you if that plays a uh, role and it, it definitely does i, yeah. I don't want to say it, it doesn't but it, it sometimes i think it's i think one of the ones i uh, there was a recent portrait I, not that recent but a relatively recent portrait I did where I was definitely referencing 
another photographer's yeah. work in terms of kind of some of the colored gels they were using, but it, yeah. in terms of how I was kind of tinting the foot, but in the end, I didn't actually replicate it at all. Yeah. I really found something completely different and I'm really way happier with what I found. Uh, yes. Even than what I was trying mm-hmm. to replicate. And that was in some ways a mis- mistake, but happy mistakes and happy and kind of just, just a, it yes. became something different than what I was yeah. initially going for, but I, I definitely used another image as yeah. the jumping off point. But it, that you're it's shooting that I, for. And I think, you know, you go. Oh, that's so good. You yeah. talk about music also, and like there was that everyone is a re, everything is a remix thing. Yes. And I feel like that was like a video that got shared everywhere. Yeah. Every, but I think it's so true in photography too that it's like, okay, I'm going to pull this from this piece and this thing from here. And then I'm still trying to look outside of photography, and I don't always do it as much as I want to. But mm-hmm. looking at, you know, old paintings and portraiture, yes, um, you know, impressionistic stuff, like 17th century stuff, I don't know, yes. just like the the neoclassical portraits, yeah, all that, and pulling some of those just little subtle, subtle references, yeah, into what I'm doing. Um, Oh man, that's so. And sometimes it's subcon- probably yes. subconscious too. So it's at least like putting yourself out there to look at that stuff. Yes, experience that stuff. Man, this is so funny because we've been bouncing around, but that's a an awesome tie-in to earlier when we were talking about balancing all these things that make up who you are as an artist. It's uh, it's the stealing from here and here. If you do that, I've found that if you, no one will steal the same way you did or be influenced. Yeah. So all that and uh, uh, that emulsion together creates who you are and which turns out to something unique and becomes the, the new thing the it, new thing is yes. the, is yes. the happiness the, that how you oh, kind of so mix good. the things together yeah. yeah I love that uh, okay here's something uh, I want to be respectful of your time today yeah, I gotta go into work should cool get rolling relatively yep. soon here let's let's end with this and this is the thing I'm, I'm calling uh, if this is real life I met you on the street we were grabbing coffee this would be super inappropriate but because it's a podcast I can get away with it yep Otherwise known as rapid fire questions. Yep. So I saw uh, that in your ear. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, so a few things that come to mind. You mentioned, and we'll just make this quick with a few of them. Uh, you mentioned mistake. You were you were going for something. You had inspiration. You were shooting for. I wanted to look like this, but you made a mistake, uh, and it turned out to be something even cooler. Is there a a recent mistake that you can think of that pops to mind that technically would be classified as a mistake but turned out to be way cooler than you would have imagined. You were telling earlier, you're talking yeah, yeah. about the gel colorings. Yeah. What, like, what happened in so that think, scenario? So with that one, I was kind of like, I was, the one, the image I was liking had this like green and blue, like this yellowish green and blue, yeah. but it was kind of hard and you yes. kind of saw the, reflect, the shadows on the backdrop. Yes. And what I wound up creating was like actually a much softer version of that, and you didn't see the the hard colors in the backdrop, and the person was kind of stuck. So kind of there wasn't that sense of space as much in terms yes. of. And so I, I really actually wound up loving where they were they were kind of just. Yeah, you didn't have the the backdrop as lit yeah. up. It was much more, and it was just a much softer version of this, and felt. Yeah. A little bit more of my like a lot. A lot of people have referenced Rembrandt in some of my, my lighting, okay, yeah. the lighting of some of my stuff. And cool. This, and, I, and I love that. I, you know, mm-hmm. I definitely think I'm pulling a little bit from that. I, I wouldn't try to say I'm yes. Rembrandt by any means. Yeah. But there is classic Rembrandt lighting, love this kind that. of darker tone, a lot of warm, dark tones. Yes. Subtle highlights, kind of, especially kind of with how it's hitting on the face. So this was kind of a mix and mashup of this, yes. like, 
contemporary gel lighting mm-hmm. look that's kind of in, but it's often in with a much harder, harder light. Line. Okay. And this was mixing it in with this really soft, yes, darker toned. And it wasn't until you add, you got something that you weren't shooting for, and you said, "Oh man, this is actually awesome." I actually like this, and then I kind yes. of tweaked from went there for it and went and oh, really. I love that. Rolled deeper with that. Yes. That look. Man. Okay. Um, when I am as a musician. And I listen to uh, music. There's certain things I can think of when I'm listening to a song that I would qualify being quality or not. And some of those, I, n- I naturally can think of those like maybe if it's if it's playing in time or in tune. All the I have all these things that make up a song being good as a musician. Yep. For you as a photographer, are there a couple things that stand out or come to mind that when you look at a photo? you can tell if it's quality or not. What makes a photo quality to you? That's such a hard thing. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, it's one of those things I, I've tried to... The, I've tried to actually come up with kind of things for, around yes. that for the current, around photo or video, and be like, you know, here are our standards for when we have an outside uh, contractor come in yes. and shoot, especially for video, but what is it that makes something quality is yes. it's not the specs you know you can say like audio music yes you know was it recorded on the right preamps and was the exposure yep. okay and, yep. and so like there are things like that where like is this exposure for the photo in mm-hmm. and like is it like are is the horizon level i hate tilted horizon that's just a <laughs> okay personal. yeah that's great yeah but those uh, are things that are like so superficial that like yes it can hit all these check boxes and it can still be garbage yes okay and i don't know is there it, something it, more it, it, you That's and i think it's really hard to articulate this um as a vi- someone who's a visual mm-hmm. thinker yep to someone who's non-visual oh yeah and I think that that's one of the challenges I have at yeah. the current is a lot of the team and a lot of the people at the, at, around are coming from audio and writing backgrounds who yes. aren't necessarily visual thinkers yes and so oh, I've, I've thought about this a lot I still haven't ever solved it yes <laughs> oh man I love that which makes me think of if I from the outside I could see a majority of your job being translating uh trying to convey no this is going to work trying to convey what's in your head before you do it yep. and trying to build that trust and then, with them. and then you know there are other mm-hmm. visuals for radio yeah. but like there's not that much and yeah. so figuring out what is the visual mm. identity and st- yes. everything for yeah. The current has been a big part of my job too. Outside of just like purely taking photos and doing yes, video, you're crushing the audio really, version. How can we make this? What does that translate to? And this? so, like, yeah, you know, subtle specific thing is all the in-studio videos at the current. Mm-hmm. We have that wood slat work in that studio. I've been very intentional that that is our in-studio brand. Yeah. And Brilliant. so not thinking about it just purely as a content, but thinking about it a little bit as a marketing thing too, yeah. that I want to try to make sure that I have that wood slat in the back of every single frame. Cause then when you see that thumbnail, you see that video, on you YouTube, know where they're at, you, you know, know Hey, that's the current without having to throw a giant logo on stuff, because uh, that is the easiest way to brand something. It's throwing a logo. Much more, much more subtly thinking about uh, that. And I'm trying to think about that more broadly as well. Yeah. And it's finding that balance of getting the resources to yeah. do that too. Um, what is in a world where it's all about we talk about gear a lot in the music world I know you can just get the nicest you said preamps whatever it is in a world of like there's no end to like a crazy awesome camera what is the cheapest most underrated camera 
that you can <laughs> that comes to mind? Oh, cheapest, most underrated. I would say just going back a few years and getting like a good DSL, like a a pro camera yeah. from five years ago. Yes, I think that. Like, I think it's good gear is still good gear. Yes, even if it's a little older. I think it, it doesn't um, have all the bells and whistles of the advancements. It doesn't. Yeah, but I mean, I think. Um, that's great. Know, I'm using the, I love the newer, like the Nikon D850. Yep. I, I love the camera. It's yeah. awesome. I would buy the Nikon D700. It was like the yeah. equivalent kind of one from the top, but yep. even the 850 kind of like in some ways is, it's just a different better. camera yeah, than yeah. the top one. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, but that like that D700, you could probably get for under $1,000 now. It's probably yeah. 600 bucks. It was probably. A, yeah. But I think that would be the, like it's a. Yeah. I love that's a great that's a great piece of advice. Like it's still pro. It's not the newest, most expensive thing. I mean, that's probably that's probably a ten year old camera at this point. I am always. But that that camera, uh, the number of images and the number of I've seen that I just loved out of that camera. Yes. I think I would I would struggle a little bit to go back to it. Yeah. Because what you're used to. Because I'm used to, and I think you would struggle. Like the big advancements in cameras have been in low light like that okay yeah, I, yeah especially yeah but if you could really focus on using that camera in good light or like mm-hmm. intentional light yeah there, there's nothing you could couldn't do with that camera um oh, you know man, i've that's awesome i've had a photo on a billboard run off of my little fuji x100 camera yeah which is like my point quote unquote point shoe that i carry yeah. sometimes yeah um and that's been on a full side of a bus and on a billboard i was gonna um, ask about that. i have a that's what it's in my bag right now an x100 and yeah, I, so some I people the, that are, I have the old one yeah like it's not not one of the new ones yeah and you still and, and you still shoot with it oh, i man, don't shoot with so it that much pumped. but uh yeah but it still works but it's it still not, works yeah. i mean it, it's still yeah what are limitations on that camera that like that you, I, that you try to stay aware of when you're using it is it used typically lighting uh not a, a little bit i think I don't know. There, there's something about it that I haven't... I like the images when I see them on their mm. own, but if I'm shooting with it and my mm. main camera side-by-side, side, I wind up going and only Always. using the images from yes. the other one. That's and cool. so, I don't know. I think yeah, that makes sense. On the gear front, I think the other most underrated thing is yeah. older, older lenses. You know, oh, I, yeah, I think yeah. my one of the lenses I've been using a ton this year, I got for $70. Yeah. I got it. Yes. It's a used Nikon lens from the mid-70s. It's not yes. even like one of the high-end ones. It was an 85 F2. Yes. I got it for $68 or something uh, like that. Yes. And that's a lens that... And, you know, and I think I've been looking at and thinking about lenses. Uh, so cinem- we're going to do a whole gear aside oh, here yeah. for a moment. Oh, yeah. But uh, uh, cinematographers really think a lot about lensing. Yeah. And so you got a director of photography, cinematographer... And they're going to be very, very intentional about what lenses are they using for a specific project because mm-hmm. they, they convey so much of the feel Yes, um, is coming through the glass that you're using. And so they'll be like, okay, are we shooting on Cook? Are we shooting on Leica? Are we shooting on a Zeiss? Yeah. Something that's really yes. crisp. Are we shooting something that's uncoated? It's going to be really soft and vintage feeling. Yeah. And I've been trying to think about photography yeah. as a cinematographer. Um, which very few people I feel like are doing. Mm-hmm. They're, they're just buying the newest autofocus gla- lens because yeah. it's going to be the sharpest and it's gonna, the yes. best. Yeah. And some of those lenses don't do much for me at all. Yeah. And so I've been really, I've been picking up some old vintage Leica glass, vintage Nikon. Yeah. And then I still have my modern, not 
uh, Nikon autofocus stuff. And so each of the, I kind of have now three sets of lenses. Yeah. And I'm picking and choosing for different different projects based on what yes. feel I need coming out of off of this. Man, see that's cool. I love your approach when you said it when you talk about the cheaper lens because I'm fascinated with the thought that outside of what you do, we all think that I um, not we all. There's a, a subculture of people that think, well, if I have this, this camera's gonna get me work. But the thought, like, nobody outside of other photographers gives a single crap what lens you're shooting on. It's just about how that's translated into what you're making. And, and, my, the, and I think some of that old stuff, it's just like music, you know, vintage. Oh, totally. Yeah. Guitar, uh, music gear where it, it just has more feel and character. And it's, yes. and I'm, you know, you could get something that's pristine, but yes. it's like, there's that no mojo or, to it. Or whatever. Like yes. that. Like that it flares funky and it's soft in the corners and i yeah i'm going for that yeah man i i just think of like i was shooting something with like a polaroid recently and there was it had bleed on the corner of it and i'm like these imperfections are what makes it it gives it totally the character and so that's you know it's figuring that right balance of the amount of imperfection that is enjoyable and controllable while still having kind of what you need and so that's what i really like putting these old lenses on a super high resolution yeah. camera. Um, I'm s- the camera's got more resolution than this lens can yeah, handle yeah. in some ways. Yeah. But then I'm just capturing that the look of that lens. Yes. I mean, you know, I'm I'm seeing all that. I'm see- when it's soft, it's soft, and you see that. And that's- yeah. But the reality is, half the time the stuff is never running big anyway. So you, yeah. you got to actually have something that has even more character to have it. Actually, see that, see that see it. Oh, on, a, on a phone. Yeah. I think in some ways, you got to really, yes, kind of get something a little funky and go, so that yeah, when you I see it on that. a phone screen. Okay, let's end with this. Yeah. Uh, I say there's somebody listening that is they're listening and they're into photography. They're on the front end, right? When we all start out with something, we we have this trajectory, right? Where we're always learning throughout our careers and we're always bettering things. There's things that we, there's mistakes we learn from. Is there anything that you did at the beginning that you've held on to? A skill set, whatever that would be something, a trait. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people have asked kind of like how how the current thing came to be and I think the biggest thing was going in and like you know, I was an intern, but not treating it like an internship and treating it like the thing that you want it to be. And like, yes. I've heard this so many times from so many people about shoot the, shoot like this is the, the, the job that you wish you had, even if it is kind of some little, like you're shooting for your like student newspaper or something small, pretend yes. it's time magazine or something like, or like in, you know, treating the current yes. going in as an intern, I could have been kind of phoning it in cause I was getting paid yes. very little but going in and treating it like a real job. And, yeah. and I think continuing to do that as I started doing the portrait work, yeah. you know, I could be doing kind of simple portraits, yeah. but I'm really trying to do the portraits as if it was for the New York Times Magazine or something like that, yes. which is, would be a dream client. Yep. You know, I've worked for the Times, yes. I haven't worked for the magazine, which is like I think another level. Oh yeah. And, you know, just being intentional about what you're doing and not, not phoning it in and, and it's it's easy to do that occasionally, and I think it, everyone's going to do it occasionally. I definitely do from time to time, but I think it's that oh, it, it, so come, it has to good. come internally too. Because yes. like I don't have a boss that's necessarily pushing yes. me to improve quality yes. in that way, or do, just doesn't have the experience to be able to do that. So it's yes. like um, oh, it has to come internally. Man. That is so badass dude man i and it's it's, uh, it's, it's yeah. not my it's not anything original that i've come up with it's something that's been told to me so many times of like yeah 
treat the job like the job you, job you wish you had. Yes. And, and it's like, it's, it's that, it goes back to like, dress the, for the job you, you wish want, you had. Yes. And, and there's so many different versions of this yes. same piece of advice. Man, I, I wrote that down from earlier when we were first started talking. You said, um, you get, you don't get hired for what you want to do. You get hired for what you've done. Yeah. And that is huge. And so you need to be doing it. Like you just do the work right now that you want to be doing. Like act, treat it like on a big scale. Yep. Oh, that's so good. Uh, man, I, uh, side note on this. I remember it was two, it was out of college. I was two years out of college and I changed my mindset. I call it changing my mindset from hourly to salary. And what I found myself doing is weighing all my gigs and saying, okay, this one's important, this one's not important. Uh, but instead, I committed to a year, which turned out the rest of my life, is to looking at everything I do as a total salary thing. All the money I make, it all goes in everything, and treat it, treat every gig, no matter how small or big, like it's the biggest deal in the world. Like treat Huge. it like you're playing yeah. the biggest stage, whatever yep. it is. And that doesn't mean like being appropriate. Uh, or out not no but uh, you're coming to it with that professional professionalism yes, that's of so a big stage yes. yeah dude that's awesome yeah. man okay I wanna, thanks for hanging out grabbing yeah, coffee this is, uh, this is a blast Hey guys, this is Rob with just a quick note before you head off into your week. I just wanted to say a huge thank you, a massive thank you to any of you that have rated, commented, or subscribed to this podcast on iTunes. Also, thank you to those of you that have reached out to me and shared your stories of how these interviews or some of these conversations have impacted you, have inspired you. Man, that has been so awesome to hear. If you have a story you'd like to share with me, head over to thecuriouspod.com slash contact, and I'd love to hear your stories or any just questions you may have for me. Hey, while you're over there, if you want to check out show notes for this or any of the other interviews I've done or contact info for this guest or any of the others, head over to thecuriouspod.com for any of that. And also, I'm really pumped about this. We have a map right there on the front of the website that shows all the locations that these interviews and conversations have taken place. It's pretty cool. You can click on it. You can see where these have done. If you want to go visit them, if you've heard something you like and you want to go check it out for yourself, that's right there. Or you can just check it out at thecuriouspod.com slash map or just right there on the front of the website. I'll show. I'll show. Also, if you want to reach out to me on social media or follow me anywhere, pretty much everything online is the Rob Morgan at the Rob Morgan, whatever you, you, you know, the drill. All right. Enough of that nonsense. All this podcasting has made me thirsty. You know, (laughs) I am so pumped that I do not have to deal with sponsors for this podcast or else I'd have to tell you podcasting makes me thirsty and nothing quenches a podcast thirst whether you're listening, uh, interviewing, editing, recording, listening to something unrelated to a podcast. Nothing quenches a thirst like a Guinness. Hey Hofi, can I steal you for a second? Do you have anything you want to say about Guinness? I'd like to take a minute to thank Guinness because it truly is made of more. That's all. Alright. That's it. Thanks. Uh, I love that crap. All right. Have a great week. See you next Tuesday. Anything else? Thanks for being here. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing. Say the most random thing you can think of. Mm-hmm. Yell it. I got nothing. The only word I can think of is formaldehyde. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect.